to you by the Georgia Governor's Office of Highway Safety, reminding you to buckle up, Georgia. Welcome to another round of the Football Fridays in Georgia podcast here at Georgia Public Broadcasting. Thanks for accessing us however you are doing so. Large device or small, GPB, gpb.org, your favorite podcatcher. Large device, iPad, home computer, laptop, desktop, YouTube, a bunch of different ways to access us. It's another go-around of the Football Fridays in Georgia podcast. We're going to talk about our Game of the Week from last week. We're going to get you ready for our Game of the Week this week for Football Fridays in Georgia and all the other things that are going on here at GPB Sports. We're going to spend some time in South Georgia this week, once again catching up with some of the great rivalries and some of the great action going on down there. So we're going to uh, spend some time in South Georgia again this week. But now, uh, Hannah, hi. Hey. (laughs) I love when you list all the social media Stuff. Because well, I'm trying to process it as quickly as I can. We were up at Chastity a few weeks ago, and we, we were, were talking to their video audio group mm-hmm. um, of high schoolers, and mm-hmm. and John was talking about Twitter and telling them to follow him on Twitter, and they don't even know what Twitter is. They were just looking at him blankly. Well, like, actually, they were also looking at me when I was talking about standard definition television. I mean, four by three. I was telling them to send me an email, and I was getting strange looks. Oh, man, that was funny. It's like, do you know what – have you read a newspaper recently? The, that paper thing that they throw on your front stoop? They're like, what? I mean, I felt old. I am 32, and I felt extremely old talking to these kids. Well, I am more north of 32. and You're we, not a day over 35, John. Yeah. You're not a day I'm definitely over. buying your lunch next time out. It's definitely the case. You bought yeah. it last week. It's my turn. No. <laughs> I'm trying to be chivalrous in that regard. How are you doing today? My allergies are – Raging. 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 R- <laughs> Almost coughed. No, you just did. Go ahead. R-A-Y-J-I-N-G. Raging. That's well, what your allergies are. I feel for all the seasonal allergy sufferers. I am I am one. As soon as October hits, Bang. it is done. Done. All right. So, well, let's not, not talk about stuff that's been okay. done. Let's talk about stuff that happened. Let's do it. We've got a lot to talk about today. So. Yeah. We do need to get right into it. Let's start by recapping our game of the week. It was number seven Walton. They moved to three and one on the year with a 31 to 19 win over number eight Roswell at Raider Valley. The Raiders led 24 to three at halftime. Then the Hornets battled back, closing the gap to 24 19 with eight minutes left. Walton quickly put a stop to that, though, with a nine play. 77-yard drive that ended on a Braylon Stokes five-yard touchdown run. Stokes rushed for 111 yards on 12 carries. The highlight of the game had to be the opening kickoff, though, John. One of the highlights now. When Sutton Smith went 80 yards on the return for a touchdown. Mm -hmm. That set the tone for the whole game. He was the player of the first half. He was the player of the game. There was obviously lots of highlights, but that you love to see that. That is so much fun. See, when you're when you're programming a game on TV, it's like that's what you want right out of the blocks. Let's give them something to look at, and so you get the opening kickoff return for a score, uh, 24-3 at one point. Robbie Roper, the talented quarterback mm-hmm. for Roswell, was injured. KJ Smith came in off the bench, did great work. Took him a little while to he get did. into full song, but then uh, Robbie Roper came back in, and I was talking to Chris Pruitt on the sidelines for Roswell. At one point, and he said, uh, told you we weren't going to give up because yep. he said that in the halftime interview. And so 
you know, they certainly did not. Drew it to within five, and they had an opportunity to get it close, but then uh, did not convert and goes back the other way for the game-winning score to make it 31-19, but another great game on Football Fridays. Robbie Roper, one of those kids that is looking for a better offer. How do you think him powering through that inner that injury and getting back in the game helps his stock? Well, I think that what it does is it shows you how much of a leader he is. And so he's had a couple of offers, and one of them right now is Morgan State, which I find very, very interesting that the MEAC is looking at Robbie Roper. And I think that by the end of the year, coming into last week, he was the number two uh, passer in the state when it came to yards. And I think uh, single A private was the one that had more than Robbie Roper did. But I think that, once again, it talks about leadership and how he doesn't want to to sit there and, and, you know, in a situation where his team is trailing, he's going to come back in. He's got, he's got that want to. And so I think that that's going to go a little bit uh, – that's going to go a long way for him. But once again, I think that when you look at what Chris Pruitt was doing, bringing in K.J. Smith, I think that, you know, it, they were finding things in that Walton defense that were gashing Walton at points. And I thought that it was uh, it was very, very stout knowledge that we saw from a sophomore – trying to see what the uh, the defense was going to give him, taking full advantage of that and orchestrating the comeback to get them that close. What was the, what was the injury? It was uh, he was pressured and he landed on his non-throwing shoulder. And it was, you know, w- when you have these large defensive linemen coming and you're trying to evade them, he landed on that artificial surface on his non-throwing shoulder. And so it was getting treatment, and it was getting wrapped, and and a bunch of different things. And they were trying to figure out mobility and what what he could and couldn't do. But no, it was it ended up just being a, I guess a pain management thing and a load management thing for him. And you you end up and you see what he can do. He came in late second quarter, was out for most of the second quarter, came in for that last drive, and you saw what he could do. He could tuck and run, and he could still make those throws. But no, it was a a great effort by Roswell and a very very tight game and a rivalry game on GPB. All right, well, week six is in the books. I normally pick a top five to to go through here, but, but. I could not. Yeah. So I've got ten. <laughs> all right. All right. So uh so all right, how you want to play this? So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna power through these. Okay. And if you wanna talk about one, you say stop. Okay. And you're probably gonna say I'm gonna go ahead and call stop for you on the first one. Sure. Okay. Winnersville Classic. Uh Stop. Lowndes 21, Valdosta 0. Uh-huh. Fifth straight win for Lowndes in this. And uh, Chase Belcher, according to our friends at the Georgia High School Football Daily, rushed for almost 102 scores. Jacari Brown uh, was held uh, was held close for the struggled a little 9 bit, right? of 26 mm-hmm. in, the, in the game. And so uh, it was at the Concrete Palace. But once again, Jamie Dubo is known for his defense there as well. And so sometimes that's what's got to carry you through, and you get the Duke 21-0. It was the third straight time they've shut out Valdosta while playing at Lowndes Martin Stadium. Mm-hmm. Is there some home field? Well, they're always magic. It, it, well, at the at the Concrete Palace, there's always magic, and it's the same at Baysmore Hyder. But I think that right now, it's just you know when you're uh, a seven A school and you're in one seven A and you have the athletes and the depth that you have, it's going to be a, a bit of an uphill climb for a, a team like a Valdosta in that kind of a situation. But no, it's a Concrete Palace is always yeah. one of those places that's tough to play. All right, the number one team in 5A, Warner Robins, played the number one team in 6A, Lee County. Stop. This was a game, well, my number two game of the week. Mm-hmm. This was a game I had my eye on all night. Warner Robins continued to pump their chest, though, beat Lee County 56-30. to 30. And I think that you won't get a whole lot of argument for the best team 
regardless of classification. I think it's Collins Hill and Warner Robins. I think that's what folks are looking at for your one and your one A or your one A yeah. and one B. When you are what Marquise Westbrook is doing and you're putting up these kind of numbers against one of the top-ranked teams in another classification, the one above you, I think that what this also does is if you're uh, Dean Fabrizio in Lee County, it's a learning it's a learning experience for you. It's like, okay, we know we're going to be going up against very talented teams in the playoffs. A lot of folks anticipate we're going to be playing in the last game of the year again. What do we learn from an experience like this? And so I think that when uh, Warner Robins continues what they're doing and putting up the numbers that are staggering at points so far this season, it's I think more than anything, it's what Warner Robins anticipates in any game during any week. But for Lee County, it's a learning experience going forward. They've put up 48 on Valdosta, mm-hmm. 50 on Archer, 49 on Northside, 49 on Houston County, and 56 on Lee. Mm-hmm. They've got Camden County next. Mm. That's really impressive. Well, and Camden County, remember, they were going up against Coffee last week. And so it was a, a another test for Camden County because, once again, in 17A, you're having to come up with seven non-region games. Coffee beats Camden by the score of 10-7 in a game that, you know, with Robbie Pruitt and with Jeff Heron, it is going to be very, very defensive, and you're going to want to try to take the air out of the football if you're one side or the other. Great game down there in South Georgia last week between those two. How does Camden County respond going into that environment this upcoming week? It's going to be a tough one. In the region of Doom, which is Region 2, single-A public, Irwin County defeated Brooks County 21-13. to Stop. <laughs> okay, we're 0-3 we're on stop. No, you're 3-for-3 three three in three stops. 3-for-3. Three. But, I mean, but once again, you're talking about the region of Doom there. You're talking about... Uh, you're talking about Irwin, you're talking about Clinch, you're talking about Brooks, you're talking about all of these heavyweights that are down there. And, and your fifth or sixth team, if you were allowed five or six teams, like in the old days of the power rankings, you traditionally have five teams coming out of this region going into the playoffs. It wouldn't surprise me if the team that finished fifth mm-hmm. could make a deep run in the single a, uh, public playoffs if given that opportunity. But when you have number one versus number two, in your region, number one versus number two in your rankings, going at it in your first week of region play, this sets the early marker now for Irwin for the division uh, for the for the region crown, and it's going to have Brooks County chasing now with head coach Maurice Freeman. And, and by the way, the hammer did make an appearance in Osceola. By the I way, I saw they planted it. Yep, at their at own pregame warm. Oh yeah, right there at the forty-eight yard line on their side of the field. Thanks to Steve Carter for sending the photo. But yeah, Maurice Freeman brings the hammer literally and figuratively every single week. Planted the hammer right there at the forty-eight yard line on his side of the field to remind folks that Brooks County was there. Well, didn't work this time. Hey, I got your book by the way in the mail. Yeah, I'm excited to read it. Okay, I, you know I could have sent you the manuscript. No, no, no. I wanted to support you and order it. Okay. All right, moving along in Double A, Blackley County defeated Dodge County twenty-one nineteen. Big was win a for the Royals. One. Big close win for one. the Royals there with two top ranked ten uh, top ten ranked teams in the class. I don't anticipate dropping Dodge all that much. Collins Hill remains undefeated at six and zero with a thirty-four to nothing win over East Coweta. Blankdom. Uh, I think we're going to probably hit stop on this one. At Markham Field, Mill Creek gets its first ever win over Grayson, 28-14 to on the road. How big of a win was that? That's, that was big at, at uh, Markham at Mill Creek. They led 21-0 at the half, and they get North Gwinnett coming up this week. But once again, that will, those non-region games that will challenge you, good work by Coach Lovelady and, and Mill Creek there getting ready for region play. Why do I have Markham Field on the road? I don't know. I don't know. 
Home game. It's it's on the road for us <laughs> from here. But yeah, Mark Markham at at, uh, at Mill Creek is a home big for win Mill for them Creek. at home. Yeah. Then in Region Eight, Quad A, Jefferson blanked Flowery Branch twenty-one to nothing, and some tough non-region battles to round out my ten team ten game scoreboard here. Coffee defeated Camden County ten to seven. A wild one. Ware County yeah. beat Benedictine oh. forty-nine to forty-two. Crazy. Are we, are we are we hitting stop? Just how crazy this is, and it, they'll call it the miracle at Memorial. I think is how our friends at ESPN Coastal phrased it with the touchdown pass that Insane. was a deflection that ended up in the hands of the receiver that scored the game-winning score. And so uh, you will see this play. You will see the miracle at Memorial on Countdown to Kickoff on Thursday this week. Is it our play of the week? It is our play of the week. Nice. And, our, ki- and our kicker involves a kicker. Ooh. Well, you'll have to send me those videos. <laughs> I haven't seen them yet. Nope. Well, no, I've seen the, the miracle. But yeah. haven't seen the, the kicker yet. Yep. And finally, the defending 3A champs go 4-1 and one on the season with a 17 to nothing win over Fitzgerald. That's Pierce County pulling it out. But once baby. again, you know, you're, you're talking, I mean, I, you got to catch up with Ryan Herring after, mm-hmm. uh, after our game in the postgame I show. Did. And you got the chance to catch up with him. What did he say, for those that may have missed it, what did he say about the win going up against a very tough Fitzgerald side? Oh, he was hilarious. He was going on and on about the penalties. <laughs> did you not hear what he was saying? I, I heard a little bit of it. But I just wanted you to relate because you got—you were the one that got to talk to him. See, all I get to do is listen during the postgame show. When you're talking to coaches, I'm just sitting there and I'm listening the whole time. Hey, we talked to so many coaches on that show, and there's a lot going on behind the scenes. Um, it all—it it all gets a little convoluted. Yeah, but, but I mean, he, but but, he you know, was stoked. Yeah, I mean, Ryan Herring to get a win like that up against one of the top teams in Double A, and really the in Double A, you're looking at four teams that pretty much could be one, two, three, or four during any given week. And literally, you could sit there. You could take, for those of you who watch this on YouTube, you could take four pieces of paper, one, two, three, four, put four names on them, put them in a hat, then pull those names out of the hat, any different order. They each could have a claim to being the top-ranked team in AA. Fitzgerald, definitely one of those, and a big marker in AAA for Pierce County as defending champs. All right, one more topic I want to touch on before we get to our guest this week, yep. and that is realignment. Yep. Another big meeting this week, a plan that's being reintroduced, John. Kind of take us through that. It has to do with multipliers, and it's something that we've seen in the past with uh, private schools and now the, the notion with private schools and city schools. And in the past, the way that it would work in determining enrollment figures, and that's how our classifications are set up here in the state of Georgia, have to do with enrollment figures. A private school has a set amount, but what would be done in the past is for every student in a private school, they would count X amount times more, like a, t- a student and a half more or two students worth of enrollment figures. So let's just say if there was a, a private school that had an enrollment of 300, they could either be looked at as having an actual enrollment for competition purposes of either 450 if it, was, if it was one and a half or 600 if it was a two-time multiplier. And so that multiplier looks like it might be a part of the discussion now in figuring out enrollment figures with private schools. Does it get weighted depending on the sport and the successes? That's another aspect in all of this. But look for the discussion when it comes to multipliers how large a multiplier it could be, and how much that could impact where a, 
a particular school could go. How many classes do they jump up? Do they jump up one classification or two when it comes to their competition next time around? So we'll keep an eye on that going forward. Okay, and what about the controversial private schools own championship talk. I think that pretty much got wiped off the board with okay. the discussion of the multipliers right now. Uh, I think that, and if you look at it from the private school perspective, it's like you're taking these nine schools and moving them over here to create their own championship. Okay. And so that's that would be, it's like you're just kind of taking them over, you're putting them in their own bucket, and then they can kind of do it, you know, have competitions amongst themselves. You're pulling them away from the other 400 members of the Georgia High School Association. And those, and some of the folks associated with those nine programs are like, we love the GHSA. We love, you know, being a part of the GHSA. We don't want to separate. And so I think that's why the discussion of the multipliers is back in. Just, it'll be interesting to see what the number is and how it impacts it. And is it just in certain sports where you're impacted by that multiplier and in other sports you're not, or is it something across the board? That'll be interesting as we have it going forward. All right, final takeaways from week six around the state. Uh, we had, what, a lot of a lot of upsets. I mean, Rome knocking off Carrollton. Uh, you had uh, Dalton. That was, I mean, that was 45-27 for Rome. Uh, and, you know, we've talked about Rome in the past with John Reed. By the time they get into region play, they'll be ready for region play. And this was that first marker for Rome that we're talking about. And, you know, you have a lot of these 20 and beyond number differences when it comes to margin of victory. We had a lot of minus 20s that were getting upsets this past week. I want to say it was more than 20 schools that were 20-point underdogs or more ended up getting wins wow. this past week. So you've got that. You had Collins Hill putting up yet another marker uh, against a, a tough East Coweta team in, in 7A. You had what we saw from Mill Creek, what we saw from a lot of the non-region play. We saw region play finally kicking in in some spots. So we're really getting into the, the heart of the schedule now here in this middle third as you're getting ready for that stretch run in October to get you ready for the playoffs first week in November. Region play. Uh-huh. Hey, you know one school that is powering through region Who's play. Who's powering through Who region play? Who is powering through region play? Their schedule is insane. We talk about it. That's Charlton County head coach Russ Murray, a part of the region of doom, region two, single A public. Enough of us. Let's talk to him. All right, Coach Murray, you go 5-0 and on the year after a big overtime win in the Swamp War versus Clinch final score. 35 to 34. Tell me about the game and, and what was the difference? Oh, well, I, you know, it's most exciting uh, sport war I've ever been a part of. I think we, uh, that was the 71st time we met and, and me and Coach Tyson was talking. I think that was the first, first and only time we've ever went in overtime. Uh, certainly excited about it. You know, our kids, kids played hard and, and their kids did too. You know, that proud program they have. And it was just a battle all the way down to the end, you know, and I'm happy the way it turned out for sure. Yeah. Uh, for someone who has never been to Swamp War, I mean, this is this is Clinch, this is Charlton, this is Homerville, and this is Folkestone. What does Swamp War mean to Southeast Georgia? Well, I, I don't know what it means to the rest of the state, but I know, I, I, and to the rest of Southeast Georgia, but to Region 2A, that used to be the, the – whoever won that game pretty much was going to win the region. And, uh, it was all, it always had, you know, more than just the game online, you know, cause it was playoff seedings and things like that. And it just, you know, and, and it, it's been that way for years. And, uh, 
and and you're, as far as a small uh, small school atmosphere, I can't think of a better better place. Two small high schools get together to play. You know, the, it's, the stadium's packed out, and you know they come from the other side of the swamp, and we come from this side of the swamp. So you know we'll be over there, and they come over here every year. It's, it's a packed house. You know it's a good rivalry when it's now tied at 30, 30, and 1. Well, and that, but, and that's the thing. It's like, and, and don't you guys disagree on how many times folks have won and stuff like that? Yeah, there's a, there's a disagreement on that. It's kind of like the Florida-Georgia thing. There is a disagreement thing, and I wish I had, had mine, uh, mine in front of me, but I don't. Uh, I know it's been tight, you know, and, and it's been – you know they're they're they've had years where they've made runs on us and and uh, and we've had some years where we made some runs on them. We just in fact we're just getting over of um a seven year run. You know the last two years that they had. Uh, so it's been back and forth. It's close. You know we disagree on it, but I know it's it's close. One or two. You know it's close. For you this year, I mean last year you had a lot of freshmen that were getting reps. And by the end of the season, they're obviously they're not freshmen in the sense of being on the field. Now those younger players are a year older in the sense of understanding what you're looking for when it comes to your system. What's it like having that continuity and seeing where it is right now with you guys at five and zero? Well, you know, it's, it's actually started two years ago. My juniors, uh, they, they they started as freshmen, and and uh, we we've been doing this for grinding here for the third year now. And, and, and they know what's going on as far as practice. Practice runs so much uh, more smooth than it has in the past. And you know, we're able to, to, to do more things with them. They understand the things that are going on. And, uh, you know, it's been hope. It's been real. It's been real smooth as far as when you could go back to two years ago. It's just been a process building for, for two years now, going into our third year. And, you know, it's, it, we're heading in the right direction. We still got to go, go a ways to go. But we're heading in the right direction for sure. You had a big-time playmaker on the field Friday. Jalen Lilly rushed for 242 yards on 37 carries, scored five touchdowns, made eight tackles. What didn't he do, Coach? I, I, I tell you what, that, that is – you know, I tell people about him. You know, we had those great teams in the 90s and the early 2000s. He, he's an old-school dog, D-A-W-G. He is – I mean, he gets after it and – uh you know, he gets after it in the classroom, and he, he's a well-mannered kid out, outside the classroom. He's got it all put together. But, yeah, he's been our leader. He's, he's towed us on, on his back for the last two weeks, and especially Friday night. He was just, you know, he was just playing like a man possessed, and uh, he wouldn't have had it any other way. Um, and, and I'm so proud of the way he played and the way he took the team upon his back, for sure. So then let me ask you this. As a part of our Recruiting 2021 show, we have the segment that we call Make That Kid an Offer, where what we like to do is, for whatever reason, if there's a student athlete that's not getting the looks, not getting all of the, the better offers, not getting offers at all, not getting looks, but he's the complete package on the field, off the field, community, grades, test scores, all of that stuff, would Jalen qualify and who else would qualify, do you think? Jalen definitely would qualify. There's a lot of... A lot of schools need need to get on his train because he's he's already taking college classes right now, and uh, so he and you know he he plays he plays like like a beast on the field and and uh, he he's certainly one that they need to to, to get up, to get on and I have another defensive tackle who's who's kind of vertically challenged a little bit he's about five ten but he he Assad Akbar and he's he's a great de- uh, defensive lineman he's he's uh 
he's been an all-region defensive lineman the last two years, and in our region, that, that says a lot. And, uh, yeah, they, they certainly need to get a hold of those two for sure. Before we look ahead at what's to come on your schedule and region play, you had somebody fun in town this weekend, Champ Bailey back in town. So it's Champ Bailey Field at the Swamp. What was he doing around town? Well, he he had a he was doing something for the state health benefit plan with the COVID uh, awareness kickoff that they had running. The director of the state health benefit plan was here, and and they had a you know I guess whatever a meet a panel to to talk to the community, answer questions, and they were giving COVID shots and 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 he had a local family fun day, your face painting and uh, hamburgers and hot dogs and ice cream thing, and, and they were giving goodies out to kids. I think they gave some bikes away and and things like that. And, uh, you know, it was good for our kids to see him. We don't get to see him much because he stays up there with y'all in Atlanta. And uh, they're, 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 they're real excited when he comes to town and they get to see him. And I, I think that was the first time, well, as a group, our players saw him since he was inducted into the uh, uh, Hall of Fame when he had, they had a high school production about two, two years ago where the Hall of Fame came down and they did the, did a thing at the school and actually put a bust in the school and stuff like that. And they're always excited to see him for sure. And, and I think he's excited to, to see the kids because he was just like them at one time, you know. And um, When I mention the, the Bailey years and all the Baileys that went through and Coach McWhorter and everything that he meant to the program because he was the only guy that applied to the job when it was available when he first came down and all of that history – when I mention Rich McWhorter, what does he mean to you and everybody down there at uh, Charlton County? Well, uh, to me personally, you know, I worked with him for 24 years. You know, I, I, I became the coach that I am, you know, primarily because of him because, you know, I took, took all the great stuff that he had that I liked and I used, and, and, uh, and, and, and he, he taught me how to work hard and try to be organized and, and – uh, and and I owe him a lot, and and this community owes him a lot for sure. I mean, it's the, you know, you can look at the record books. I'm sitting here in a weight room now, and I'm looking at the, the state championships and the region championships we got posted on our wall, and um, you know, he he played a, a huge part, if not the the all the part that went in there. Of course, he's going to tell you different. You know, I know that too with the kids we had, but but we made a lot of the kids, you know, in in the players, and and it was his style that 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 we were able to do that with. I forgot to ask you where you were calling in from. You told us before we got started you were calling in from the weight room because no one's in there. What's that <laughs> well, like? That, well, they're at lunch. Uh, that, that, been, it's being used. It's used. We have our, we have our, our football players primarily come in either the first block or the last block. Most of them come in the last block, and this is our third block. We have fourth blocks, and it's kind of like the lunch block where all the kids eat lunch. So we kind of the, the weight room isn't open this up this block. So. It, it'll be well used. Don't worry. We kind of sanitize it, clean it up, get all the sweat out of it from first block. You know, get ready for fourth block to get it get it sweaty again. I guess. When you're diving into region play finally, and you're in what we call one of the regions of doom here in the state of Georgia, Region Two Single A to me is traditionally one of the toughest places to be in the state of Georgia. Before we dive into the actual teams and your schedule and all that kind of stuff. When it comes to this region of doom, what is it like in Region 2 single-A for someone who's never seen action in 2 single-A? I tell you, it, it, from top to bottom, it, it's pretty. It's, uh, it's competitive. You know, uh, you know, 
I, I wish we could just, have, you know, could have made it in the in our in, in the top four. Maybe we could win a game outside of our region. You know, last year Turner was our fourth ranked team, and they got in and they lost to Metter, who was number one all the way till they played, um, uh, I guess, Irwin in the semifinals, and they lost to him by a point. And uh, you know, that just tells you if our fourth place team is is going against the number one overall team, how how competitive it is, and and it's it's tooth and nail. Uh, all every Friday night, uh, you know, uh, you know, we went into this game Friday against Clinch, and 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 I thought, you know, we were better. We had people returning and stuff, but I tell you what, they outplayed us, and and we were lucky enough to pull it off at the end. And and Atco upset Turner last week, and I didn't think that was going to happen. And you don't ever know what's going to happen. And, and Irwin, who lost some off their state championship, you figured Brooks was going to beat them last week, but Irwin pulled it out. You know, it's just. You you got to put you got to be on your game one hundred percent every Friday night in this region for sure. Well, that's who you have next. Turner County region game on the road. What yeah. are your expectations for that one, Coach? Well, I know it's going to be a tough game because Aspirin is not a a great place for us to go play. Those guys, you know, they used to be the Rebels and they're the Titans, and they you know that name fits them because they they play they play well up there. They play like a bunch of Titans. Athletically, my gosh, they're 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 Brook Countyish. I mean, they're they're that athletic from top to bottom, and they don't have a lot of players. But you can't play but eleven at a time, and those eleven they put on the field, they're they're going to be something else now for sure. When you look at you mentioned this region in a broad sense, but you're looking at Turner, you're looking at yourselves, you're looking at you know you're looking at what Clinch has done. You're looking at Brooks. You're looking at Irwin. I mean, this is a region of true heavyweights, and all you guys do is seemingly beat up on each other, and it's almost a war of attrition before the top four of you get into the playoffs. It has been like that in years past. I know we've had we've had kids hurt throughout the region and didn't make the play, couldn't play in the playoffs because they were hurt, and I'm sure that some of the other teams have, have felt that too. We just try to get through it, but you know, you got to win them. It's, it's necessary for you to win them or you don't make the playoffs or you don't get in, you know, the playoff seeding. So so you have to do it. You know what I mean? You can't hold players back for sure. I mean, it's that order. Turner, Brooks, Irwin, Lanier, and Atkinson, all region in a row. How do you prepare for a stretch like that? Well, it, it's kind of like what, we, what we've been doing for three years I've been here. We just, we just focus on the day. You know, we try to win the day. And if we win today, we got a chance to win tomorrow. And, you know, tomorrow turns into day and, you know, so on and so forth. We win today, we try to win the weeks, we try to win the months, we try to win the years, you know. And uh, we just have to focus on each day at a time. We don't try to get ahead of ourselves. And, 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 you know, we just look about what we have on today to try to get to tomorrow for sure. Russ Murray, the head coach of the Charlton County Indians down there in Folkestone, ranked top 10 for the first time in a long time, ranked top six in a lot of polls here as he gets diving into a region play down there in region two, single a, one of the regions of doom in single a public coach. Thanks for hanging out with us here on the football Fridays in Georgia podcast. Go grab some lunch, get out of that weight room and we'll be keeping an eye on things down there in uh, South Georgia. Okay. Thanks for having me. Win today guys. Good stuff. It's always great to catch up with folks down there uh, in, in South Georgia in the region of doom. And, and uh, you know, we, we got to talk a little bit about what it's been like for Russ Murray, who's been there for over 25 years, either as a head coach or as an assistant coach down there at Charlton County. Charlton County in the top 10 
in the top six in a lot of polls around the state, and they are making a charge this year. You said their stadium, the Swamp, is like a stone's throw from Florida, right? Literally, if you go off campus. So for those watching on YouTube, I'm going to do a little, do a little uh, construction of Uh-oh. geography here. So if this is the, co- if this is the campus for uh, the high school, Charlton County High School, if this, if this piece of paper that I have here on the desk okay. is their high school, literally there's a there's – a, I think it's uh, US-1. I think US-1 goes right past the school. You go past the school. You go into downtown. You go through downtown. You're in the state of Florida. Wow. Literally, that's it. Wow. That is about as south as south can be. And I think they're even further south, closer to the state of Florida than Camden County is in Kingsland. I mean, Camden, they're like right there. I mean, like if you drew a straight line, they're right there with each other. But obviously, I think Charlton County is a little closer to the state of Florida, and the Folkestone's a little closer to the state of Florida than Camden County is. But, yeah, that is south as South Georgia gets. Very. Well, I'm glad that we got him on. Thanks for getting him on, John. He was fun to talk to. Yeah, it's always good to catch up with folks down there in uh, regions that you don't get the chance to see games from a great deal, and you can kind of catch up with folks and, and let everybody know what's going on. All right, well, into the podcast. Speaking, so we are, of, speaking we are, of letting folks know what's going on this week. We are turning the page. Week 7, baby. Mm-hmm. And for this week's Football Friday in Georgia Game of the Week, we will travel to Grisham Stadium. It's a Region 6, 6A showdown between number 3, Carrollton, and South Paulding. Carrollton is 4-1, and 1-1 one, one and one in region play, coming off that 45-27 to 27 loss to Rome that we talked about earlier in the show. The Trojans are led by quarterback M.J. Morris, who's mm-hmm. committed to NC State. Yep. He'll be fun to watch. South Paulding is also 4 and 1 but undefeated in region play at 2 and 0. The Spartans rolled past Dalton 55 to 48 last week. The two teams played for the first time in 2020. Carrollton won 41 to 21. Kickoff is of course at 4 7:30 p.m. and and John my big question in, in this one will be how will Carrollton respond after And that that, that is that the question. That is the question. You know, South Paulding beat Rome 34-32 mm-hmm. the week before. So then Rome beats Carrollton by 18 last week. And so you're you're kind of getting into to region play here. This is a big region game because the winner here inside track to, uh, you know, if not the two, possibly the region championship here and getting that one seed. You're always looking for those home games. And it'll be great for us to be out there at Grisham Stadium. Uh, it's been renovated the last handful of years. They're renovating the field house in the south end, end zone there. But Carrollton, a great community for high school football here in the state, and it'll be good to see everybody. Joey King coming back and being a part of high school football here in the the state of Georgia from his time in college and before that up in Cartersville. So it's going to be a fun night and a a very important region game with those two schools. For the first time in five seasons with GPB, I will be missing Friday. Did you know this, John? No, I did not know this. It'll be Nikki, Nikki Noto Palmer, okay. behind the desk in the studio. Far out. She's amazing. Yes. She always does sideline reporting for the championships. Mm-hmm. I, you know, you you never want to plan a wedding in the fall, but when you're the matron of honor in the wedding, you can't really skip it. I have skipped m- countless weddings for football, but when you're when you're could you when not have impressed to... upon these people that football season in the South is a bad time of the year for weddings? Full disclosure. It's one of my like best, best friends. Full disclosure. Yeah. When the boss and I got engaged, mm-hmm. we were trying to figure out the best time of year to get married. Yeah. And you know how much of a football fan and how much of a college football fan Patty is. Oh, yes. You've, seen this, you've seen this up close with, with, uh, with Auburn. So the first sentence out of both of our mouths was, 
this is not going to happen during football season. Oh, we, we didn't are, either. We, we got are not in going July. to get. We are not going to get married during football season. So we were in. Uh, we were engaged New Year's Day, and so the question for us was: Do we try to sprint, get it done by June, have the wedding in June? Or do we just let it build and do it for a year and then have it a year later? And we ended up having it the second week of January because football season was non-negotiable for me because of work. And she knew this. And for her because of her fandom for her alma mater. So there was no way that it was going to happen during football season. You could not impress upon your friend. Everyone has that same mentality. I actually have another one, too. November. The first weekend of November, I'll also miss that game. And it just so happens that these are my two closest friends on the planet. So Yet they don't I know. Know, I know about no, how they don't care. Fo- what football means. I, my friend are doesn't even know what football is. I was gonna, that was going to be my next question. Do they know what football is? Well, the, the one this Friday, yes. The okay. wedding in November, she calls it sports ball. Ah. <laughs> okay, that explains sports. that one. Yes, that explains Anywho, that one. Yes. Long story. Yes. Long story. Long story short, longer. Short story long. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I will not be there Friday, unfortunately. I will miss everybody. But, Nikki, you will do a great job. Mm-hmm. Um, in the meantime, do not forget to watch the Recruiting 2021 show. It'll air at 7 o'clock. Check. Before the broadcast, it also airs on demand. GPB.org slash sports. We started putting my Zoom interviews out on we – we were, we were putting them in blog form, but we started putting the actual videos on social media, so you guys can't miss that if you follow us at GPB Sports on social media. Mm-hmm. You'll be seeing all of those so, come through. GPB Sports on social media. Yes, at GPB Sports. So that's Twitter, mm-hmm. Facebook, mm-hmm. YouTube. Instagram. Instagram. Yep. Nailed okay. it. CompuServe? Nope. Netscape? Absolutely not. MySpace? Nope. Three for three. Okay. Just checking. Stone Ages. Countdown to kickoff is also Thursday at noon on our GPB Sports Facebook Live page. We had some new viewers last week, some more eyeballs, so yep. keep those coming. That's a really fun show. What did you have to do last week? You had to, you you said the you said the magic word, yeah, and you had to. I had do to the disappear end. offset, and my uh, cardboard cutout was my marker, and I had to basically do the entire show until I was allowed back into the set by producer Lori. Off stage, I was off stage doing my role, and my cardboard cutout was taking my position next to Hannah. A lot of folks thought that uh, there was more personality uh, during the show when that was happening. So yeah. I mean, keep well, that in mind. Well, maybe there was. Yeah, probably. The, the word was Lassiter. You said Lassiter. I'm shocked. I have I have kept them off the rundown on purpose these past few shows. See, but that's, so. a, that's and that's the thing for those of you that <laughs> haven't had the chance to watch Countdown to Kickoff yet this year. She the word can only be used once, so she has to come up with a different word every single week. And you can't recycle a word, and you cannot recycle the after effect. So I can't, you know, I can't be banished off set again this season. I can't we'll see about I can't, that. I can't be. I can't do uh, more push-ups. I can't do push-ups mm-hmm. as a punishment during a, an ad read or anything. I make the rules. Who says? Yeah, okay. All right, John. Yeah. That's it for the podcast. That's it for the podcast. Send us home. Oh, yeah, if, he's if, taking yeah, his headset yeah, off yeah, again. Yeah, if you're going to if you're going to say that there's no rules and there's no rules, I'm out the door. All right. Well, John is leaving. He has somewhere to be. So, it's it's just me here for the the YouTubers. Hey guys, thanks so much for watching the Football Friday in Georgia podcast here at GPB. Do not forget to catch us at Grisham Stadium. It is number three Carrollton versus South Paulding. Thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next week. Bye, guys.
to you by the Georgia Governor's Office of Highway Safety, reminding you to buckle up, Georgia.